Hola, mi amo Joe. You're listening to A Cup of Joe and Jimmy. I am your host, Joe Nugent. And as I am every week, joined by my brother, Jimmy. Jimmy, como estas? What does como estas mean? Jimmy, you took four years of Spanish. I took three years of Spanish. It means how are you? Muy bien. Excelente. Sí, sí. Uh, and we are also joined with Luke Ebsmeyer. Luke, como estas? Estoy muy caliente. <laughs> All righty, excellent. Um, Luke took more Spanish than I did. But guys, welcome to the fourth episode of A Cup of Joe and Jimmy, I believe it is. Uh, if you've been along for the ride for this month, welcome back. And if you're new, I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we got a good one for you guys today. We are talking NFL Combine. Uh, that is still ongoing, going into tomorrow. We are talking the NCAA scandal that we hit on last week a little bit. And we're wrapping up uh, talking spring training. We have an interview with Ben Deluzio, who uh, is in on the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. And yeah, and then we're going to close with a new segment. So get excited for that. So guys, we've got a good show. Stick around, sit back, and enjoy. guys as we do each week we will start off this show with what burns my biscuits luke shared last week with the online ordering and the lack of use of it that people do jimmy is adjusting my mic and he's really getting my way jimmy thank you sorry okay guys i have the floor this week for what burns my biscuits are you ready yes see <clears throat> luke no more spanish you guys want to know what burns my biscuits? See. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tipping. Tipping as in when you're at a restaurant and the, you know, tipping. You guys know what tipping is. Yes, I'm aware. I'll tell you what about it burns my biscuits. Why, when I'm at a restaurant, does it matter if my waiter is bringing over a filet mignon or chicken fingers? Why does them carrying that over make me have to pay them more? Okay, so I understand that waiters work their way up to certain restaurants. Yes, a waiter at IHOP may work way harder than a waiter at some high-end steakhouse does, but that high-end steakhouse waiter had to start at IHOP. I get that. They deserve a bigger tip. But let's take Olive Garden, for example. You have one waiter who's waiting on a table of two people who are ordering wine, appetizers, desserts. That waiter's not really working that hard. Then you have another waiter who, oh my goodness, the Little League baseball team just walked in and they all want unlimited soup salad breadsticks deal. That waiter is scrambling, trying to make sure everything's filled, their drinks are refilled, the salad bowl's filled, the soups are filled. The breadsticks are hot and warm, but no, their tip won't be as large compared to the tip of the lesser people where the waiter's not working as hard just because of the amount price-wise the person paid. That, to me, is ridiculous, and it's just not fair. I think we've lost what the art of tipping was to show people that you appreciated what they did for you and to then thank them in monetary form. I think we need to go like most countries do in where people have a base wage, a fair wage, much more than they're making now, and that tipping is not required. Tipping is a thank you to what you did. Now it's like, 
oh, you didn't do as good as the waiter I had last week, but you both get 20%. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's not right. That's what burns my biscuits. America needs to change. Why do you pick the most serious and controversial topics for this segment? Because did that's space what burns trap. my biscuits. We, we opened up this podcast with you saying how you hate space travel. And then Luke and I went lighthearted. I said, when people caught sweating, Luke did, waiting in line, public subs, and people order a lot of subs. But you, you're saying we shouldn't tip people. I never said you shouldn't tip people. I said our tipping system is messed up. It makes no sense. Why, Jimmy, if you carry over a steak and the other person carries over a cake, why does the money I give you differ? They work their way up to get to that point. Same restaurant, same restaurant. I'm talking about the same restaurant. I already said I get it with different restaurants. I don't know. It's just, it's the way it is. That's how they make their money. I mean, if you can think of a, a good way to... Japan. They all get paid, paid a fair wage, no tipping. That's the way it should be. So yes, yeah, so then we'd have to have a ton of reform with minimum wage and paying. Okay. Luke, do you agree with me? I don't know if I agree one way or the other, but I don't really know when it's appropriate to tip. Like specific circumstances, like uh, to go ordering, do I give the oh yeah the that's person all, that's all another can of worms. I, yeah, I feel terrible when uh, it, even if it's like over the counter service and you see that part of the tip and they're like waiting for you to sign, like just sign the receipt and you're just looking at it and you're trying to avoid eye contact because you know you're not giving them any money. It, but it's like tips don't mean anything nowadays because now you're just expected to give 20% even if their service wasn't that great. I think tipping should reflect the service that you receive. I think you're a good tipper. There's plenty of people that don't tip well if they don't get good service. I'm a good tipper. So I can argue this because I tip well. Okay, guys. Well, my biscuits are burned and I'm angry. But let's talk some sports. Um, before we talk sports... This next segment is brought to you by Interstate 4, I-4. I have no clue if I'm driving on a real road right now or if it's closed, I-4. NFL Combine was going on this week and continuing into the end of Monday. Guys, who has been the most impressive and the least impressive to you in this year's Combine? I think most impressive for me was Saquon Barkley with his 29 reps on the bench press for running back and... Yeah, that's impressive because not only is he super strong with that, but he also has the quickness um, and lateral movement to go along with that, as we've seen in his game tape. So I was super impressed with that, um, and I think teams are definitely drooling over him, and he's uh, he really helped his draft stock, I think, with the NFL Combine. The least impressive for me was, unfortunately, my pick for who I thought the Cleveland Browns were going to take first overall as a quarterback was Sam Darnold. Um, bold strategy being a quarterback and not throwing in the combine. Um, I don't really know what to think of it. I don't know why you wouldn't. That's like the reason you're there. Um, I just think that's that's interesting. I feel like that has to put some worry in the teams uh, that maybe want to pick him that, you know, what's the reason for him not throwing? Does he think he'll be upstaged by Josh Allen? He probably would have been, but it was... Yeah, bold strategy. I don't know. I will say a lot of quarterbacks that choose not to throw, it's not really up to them. It's up to their you know, their agent or whoever, their coach. Um, sometimes throwing to those receivers that you don't really know, it, it puts you in a tough spot. But, I mean, I'm sure he'll do well as pro day. My most impressive, I'm going to be a little biased, I'm going to go with my former teammate, Shaquem Griffin. Dude absolutely killed it. Um, as expected, we all know he doesn't have a left hand. Went ahead and did 20 reps on the bench press yesterday. Ran a 4.38, 40-yard um, dash time this morning. Was the fastest among linebackers in the last 15 years or so. This guy just continues to prove people wrong. And, you know, it's people call it a disability. I don't really see it as that. He doesn't see it as that. Um, he works harder than anybody I know. And, um, you know, one one out of 32 teams are going to be really pleased they took him, and I think 31 out of 32 are going to be really disappointed. Um, he's he's a really good player. I don't, I mean, the tape doesn't lie, but I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do at the next level. Um, people say he's going to play special teams. Um, he'll probably start out there, but I really expect him to end up being a starter at some point. He's just that type of player. What about least impressive? Uh, least impressive was Orlando Brown. Uh, 
offensive lineman from Oklahoma. He uh, he he did not slow. He did not run run a uh, four three eight. He ran five eight five, which is one of the slowest for ever at the combine for that position. That's moving. He he did a whopping fourteen reps on the bench. Um, That's bad. I did not see that. I only saw the forty time. Yeah, and then he verticaled nineteen and a half, which is not really. Can you slip a piece of paper under that? <laughs> Maybe a credit card. Oh uh, yeah, it's kind of disappointing. He's regarded as one of the top linemen in the draft. Uh, he didn't. He actually didn't allow a sack this whole year playing for Oklahoma. But I guess some of those numbers are going to worry some of the scouts. Um, not so much the 40 time, maybe, but the bench press. Um, definitely some uh, strength that he's, he needs to work on uh, before the draft comes up. Yeah. I like how you guys brought some certain people up, like Orlando Brown, like Sam Darnold, which helps me to my point that the combine doesn't matter, in my opinion. I think that the combine can help people, such as Shaquem Griffin. I think it definitely boosted his draft stock, but I don't think it really can. I don't think it should hurt people that much because these are a lot of these are non-football events or football things that I understand that they are testing real things. But we've seen film on these guys. We'll see their pro day. We've seen them in the senior bowls or just on the on the highest level in co- in college and then going to the NFL I, I I don't understand like what the big deal is I think it's just such a media thing to get people like us who are getting paid millions to talk about this that's right folks I said millions we are getting paid and um I have some interesting stats here for people that have that have had bad combine performances let me see if you guys recognize any of these names Tom Brady Ran a five two eight forty among other bad stats. Well, we know he's slow. Antonio Brown had a thirty three and a half inch vertical and a six point nine eight second three cone drill. That's really slow. Drew Brees was horribly inaccurate in his throwing. He should have taken Sam Darnold's route and not thrown. Calais Campbell, sixteen reps on the bench press. Weak, right? Calais Campbell, weak. Terrell Suggs, only 19 reps and historically slow at the combine. Cam Chancellor, slow 40, real slow. And Joe Hayden, 4, 5, 7, 40, and 35-inch vertical. Really bad stats for some really good players that the combine meant nothing to them. Do you guys think the combine matters? I think it matters to an extent. I mean, you're you're gonna want to know like the speed difference that uh, a receiver has, like between two receivers that look pretty close in their stat line and their game tape. You want to know who's a little bit faster. Uh, you want to know who's like with Orlando Brown, like the only 14 reps as an offensive lineman. Like that has to kind of raise some red flags because you need to have really good strength to be an offensive lineman um, in the NFL. So. I think, but I just showed you that a guy like Calais Campbell, who had 19 reps, which for his position was very weak. If they looked at him and said, "Nah, not strong enough. He's not going to make it." Yeah, I mean, but Calais Campbell probably lifted more once he got to the NFL and stuff. Exactly. Combine doesn't matter. It does matter. I think you have to. Also look at the off-field aspect where all these guys get around 15 to 20 minutes to meet with every team there. I think that's vital for an organization to um, to know a little bit more about who they're drafting. As far as on the field, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, all these guys are good. You're not invited to the combine if you're not. I think what the combine does do is expose um, some of the guys to some of their weaknesses. Um, I think that's what a lot of the um, scouts are looking at. Um, they're also looking at, you know, what position are you going to play? Um, I was watching this morning, and the linebackers were going, and, you know, I don't know the ratio, but you either run a 4-3 or a 3-4 in the NFL, which is four down linemen, a three down lineman. And for a, a position such as a linebacker, a DN, um, teams are trying to figure out where can this player be successful, what defense can he be successful in. Um, that also goes for 
safety linebacker combination as well. So I think that's also important for a lot of these teams when they're looking at these guys. Fair points, fair points from all. So then guys, what about for us? If we had to go to the combine, which um, I had brief offers to attend. It's a long story, but I played a little back in my day. Um, What event do you think you would perform worst at? We had a Twitter poll that asked what event people believe they would be best at. Do we have the results on that Twitter poll? We do. What are they? Um, people had some confidence in the 40-yard dash. We had 39% leading the way. Uh, we well, had, speedsters yeah, in our group. We some speedsters out there. People thought they'd do well on the bench and vertical jump as well. 22% tie, and then broad jump was the least voted. Wow. Okay. I could see the 40 and maybe the bench. People, you know. The jocks in the gym, I could see it. Yeah, the one I would probably do the worst. I would do. I would do very bad in all of them. Um, I'd probably do the worst in the bench press. I have never been one who is considered strong. I was always the weakest in all my gym classes and weightlifting classes. Um, I would. I wouldn't get one rep. So I think that that kind of that kind of shows you where I would be. Thank you for your honesty, Jimmy. Yeah, so we actually work on all of these pretty much um, over the course of being a um, collegiate athlete. Um, but I think I'd be a little exposed on the 40-yard dash. I think my technique technique would be okay, but the time would uh, suffer greatly. Yeah. Folks, I know we mentioned it the first episode, but Luke is a former member of the UCF National Championship team, so that's that collegiate experience he's mentioning. For me... I would say even, okay, let's say even I could rep the 225. I still think I would be worst at that because of all the yelling that happens. I'm not good when I'm benching, like when the people are trying to like motivate me to get it up. That makes me just, I lose it. I lose it mentally and physically at that point. So if I had the stranger yelling at me, let's go, let's go, you got this, yes, and then people around yelling, and then people just right up in my grill watching me rep it, I'd be done. Mentally, I'd be shot. I would buckle under pressure big time. Absolutely. I would take one rep and just absolutely, my hands would be sweating so bad. And that, yeah, so even if I was strong enough to rep that thing multiple times, I wouldn't be able to. People do say, though, that maybe they had a goal of like 18 or 20 uh, going into the event that that added confidence from people outside actually like boost their max and they might get 22 or 23. Yeah, I've seen that. I just don't, for me, I don't think that would happen. I would go in confident. I'd be like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get 15. And I'd get three and I'd be done. And then the guy, the random guy yelling at me would be so disappointed in me. I've actually spotted for you. I think you should have a little more confidence in yourself. Yeah, but... You know what the moment mentally, the moment I think I can't do it, oh boy, I just get I just get destroyed by the bar. It comes right down my throat. And our our hands sweat regardless of the situation. So the added pressure that 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 Yeah. <laughs> you're you're the pressure's already getting to you, Jimmy. You are at a loss for words. All right, guys. Um that's it for NFL Combine. Jimmy, Jimmy is he's hit himself over there for just locking up we lock up sometimes on this show we have no audience that's listening live and i lock up yeah um okay guys well this next segment is brought to you by acoustic guitars man oh man you're really cool for bringing that to the party or local bonfire acoustic guitar last week we talked about the fbi investigation into ncaa basketball Um, focusing on Arizona head coach Sean Miller, uh, who was reported to be wiretapped, um, talking about exchanging up to $100,000 in money for a a recruit at the time. Um, The most recent updates with that is now Sean Miller and his team are disputing it and saying that basically ESPN is wrong in their reporting and that the entire thing was false. Um, And then ESPN doubled down and said, no, what we reported was correct. And uh, he was wiretapped. 
So these are two sides going at it. Someone obviously has to be wrong, and the ramifications are huge. But regardless of how this turns out, this has been going on in NCAA basketball for a while now. So my question for you guys is, is is this the end of NCAA basketball as we know it to be today? NCAA basketball or NCAA in general? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could you could say NCAA in general. This is just basketball, but it's going on in every sport, it seems. Um, If it is, you're not going to see it for a while, like the changes. I don't think anyone has a viable option right now other than the NCAA. It would just be a complete end of college sports, I think, if, they, if the NCAA was uh, dissolved and turned into a new organization. It would just turn into basically another minor league for professional sports. And I don't know if people technically want to see that because I mean, if it's, if it's the difference between players not getting paid in college for their athletic abilities or disbanding the NCAA and not having college sports and just having, um, another yeah, basically minor league, for professional sports, I'm going to say I'm going to be selfish and say I say I want college sports to stay. And um, yeah, because that's the reason a lot of times like college is fun. You go to the, the football games, the basketball games and stuff, and you go see these sports. If that's all gone and the NCAA uh, dissolves and changes all their rules and stuff and it's no longer college sports anymore, it's I don't know. It'd be kind of sad. So if it's the difference between those two options, I'm going to be selfish and say I want college sports to stay. Yeah, so there's there's an article on uh, sportsillustrated.com written by Andy Staples that I was just kind of going through. And it talks about some of the hurdles the NCAA has had to, um, has had to get over in uh, recent history. Um, it starts in the 1940s when um, scholarships weren't even allowed at that point. Most of the... Uh, the student athletes uh, were they they were taken from students who are already attending the school. Um, unfortunately, though the uh, the colleges found a way around that as they do a lot of things, and um, money was uh, offered under the table. Henceforth, setting off a uh, a snowball effect where uh, scholarships were indeed allowed available at some point. Then we moved on to a point where they, the scholarships were available. One meal a day was provided by the school, um, and room and board wasn't provided. Well, then that was dealt under the table, um, money for that, to have room and board. What, what, what the article is trying to get at is there's, there's been hurdles in the NCAA's past that they have found a way to get over. There's a quote from one of the former NCAA presidents. It talks about how once they gave out these scholarships initially that the NCAA and college sports would dissolve into madness, um, which seems to be the rhetoric uh, when thinking about giving money to athletes nowadays. My question is just why this is, it just seems like another hurdle for the NCAA. And I think, I think there's a way over this. Um, there's, there's a way to figure this out and it's just on up to the NCAA if they really want to make it work. Yeah. I mean, I think that if this is another hurdle, the way over it, would be to start paying the players. I don't know if you guys would agree, but it seems like amateurism in NCAA is over and has been over for a long time. It's just now teams are having to do things illegally to get through that. But the the amount of money that NCAA makes off TV deals and uh, off these other deals, that it's it's going to be impossible not to pay the players because people there'll be a revolt there's there's going to be there's going to have to be change as far as paying players go i used to be against it the reason i used to be against it was because i never liked the argument of oh we are student athletes who we have no time on our hands we have no extra money to spend and we're having to play all year long can't work jobs or anything like that that argument to me is bogus because normal students that go to college are very much in debt, having to work two jobs, having to take a full credit load of classes. Like, 
student athletes and normal students, you can go back and forth with that argument. They both are super busy, work very hard, and don't have a lot of money. But the argument of look how much they are making off of us and off our entertainment that we provide, how come we don't get a cut of that? That I get. And it's unfortunate that amateurism is gone in NCAA basketball, but I think that paying the players, I'm not sure exactly how it would look, but I think that's something that the that would be the way to jump the hurdle. We talked a little bit about some of the money the players are receiving last week. Uh, Dennis Smith, it was reported that he accepted $117,000. Um, NC State made $14 million last year um, from the basketball program. Um, you add in Dennis Smith's um, tuition money uh, onto that 117000 His tuition was actually 23000 for being in-state. That adds up to being one 103rd of the total revenue NC State made. So the, the question, the money is there. It's just, you know, how do we allocate it and um, how do we distribute it properly to, you know, the right sports and the right players, I think. Yeah. And going, yeah, and continuing on the point of paying players, they, they're not just like, they're not homeless. And they are getting, I mean, to have your college paid for, your books paid for, your food paid for, you're pretty much wearing the team's clothes that they gave out. So there are a lot of things that are paid for. So that argument to go against student athletes is in my mind bogus. But Luke, what you just brought up, that is a completely different argument. And that just shows it's like, honestly, these players deserve that money. And if the NCAA doesn't do something about it and doesn't find a way to jump this hurdle, then the players are going to start doing about it. They're going to start going overseas. They're going to create a league of their own to another way of getting into the NBA. So something needs to be done. And I, I personally believe the NCAA will not do the right thing, but do the thing necessary to continue their brand. All right. Well, that's it for the NCAA talk. And now it's time to move into our special guest interview. But before the interview, let's just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Music festivals. Man, my legs are sore. I smell terrible and just listen to crappy music for four days. Music festivals. All right, guys, we have a good interview here coming up for you. Um, a good friend of ours, Ben Deluzio, has been gracious enough to join us, and he uh, he's with the Arizona Diamondbacks organization right now, um, going through spring training ball, and yeah, we're going to bring him on to just ask him a few questions about what it's been like uh, before the minor leagues, his life in college, and then just transitioning to the minors, and a little bit about his high school life that he uh, spent with Luke and I. Joe, can you give our guest a proper introduction? Yes, I can. Now up to the plate. Center fielder, number two, Benny the Jet Deluzio, number two. Ben, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. All right, sounds good. Uh, so, Ben, we're just going to jump right into this interview with you. Happy to have you on. Uh, my first question for you is... Going back a little bit, what was your time at FSU like, and what were some of those ups and downs that you went through there? Yeah, like like you just said, it was definitely it definitely had its uh, ups and downs. Um, it was definitely a roller coaster ride for me uh, personally. Um, started uh, kind of had a pretty decent freshman year, um, and then kind of struggled at the plate uh going into my sophomore junior year but defense was always uh a plus for me uh basically uh because of my speed but um yeah i would definitely just classify it as a, a roller coaster of definitely emotions and uh you know trying to find out what exactly my game is yeah um so would you if you had a chance to go back in time would you do things the same way as in, as in, would you, would you would I, still go to FSU and, uh, or because I know you also had the opportunity to go into the MLB right out of high school. 
Um, so like, yeah. would you still do things the same way? Um, yeah, like I've had honestly a lot of time to think about it. Um, uh, personally, I think that me going through these struggles, um, you know, it shaped me into the man I am today, mm. uh, on and off the field. So I honestly wouldn't trade the experience and growth, you know, for, for signing for however much money, you know, out of high school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so then leaving college, what has been the, what's the transition been like from college to the minor leagues and what's been the most difficult change? It's, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, to be honest, everyone's, uh, very professional in how they handle themselves. Um, the, the coaches are, um, top notch, especially in the Diamondbacks organization. I'm very blessed to have an opportunity to play with them. Um, you know, from the base running side to the defensive side to the hitting side, everyone knows exactly what they're talking about and they, you know, work with you on how they can better you and not, you know, have this cookie cutter mentality and try and shape you and how they want you to hit. They, um, help you and aid you so you can focus on how you want to hit, how you want to play defense, how you. Uh, want to steal bases. So, and then the most difficult change, uh, obviously from transitioning from college to, uh, the professional lifestyle is gotta be the grind, man. You're playing 140 something games a year and, um, you're, you're not really getting much downtime. Honestly, you're, you're playing every day. You, you may get an off day every two weeks maybe wow if that yeah and then you're from you're you're at the field we'll we'll get to the field around i want to say 11 12 and then you have your early work you got whatever you want to do get get some lunch but you're at the field till the end of the game which will end around 10 10 30 that's a long day long day <laughs> It's a very long day, man. Ben, uh, last year in roughly 76 games, you had 100 hits, uh, you had 25 stolen bases, and you batted uh, around th- uh, 330. Uh, what are some of your goals for this upcoming season? Uh, for me, yeah, I definitely thought about uh, some upcoming goals for this season, uh, this off season, but um, I definitely want to get on the stolen bases side, I definitely want to get 40. Um, I think that's very doable. Um, I've been working on my starts and, you know, in baseball or anything in track, the the start basically makes or breaks it. So I've been trying to work on that. And then from the hitting side, honestly, um, I've, I've just been trying to get more power because as, as you've noticed in the, in that stat line, there weren't any home runs. So I kind of want to, you know, hit for a little more power this year. Hit a couple dingers. There's always steroids. (laughs) Definitely want to do that. And then um, obviously keep, keep the average, you know, somewhat high. Cause you know, I'm, that's, that's my game. Get on base, kind of wreak havoc on the bases. Um, And then with the defensive side, you know, I just want to make plays for my pitcher and, uh, you know, have a few more outfield assists this year. Where would you like to start and end the season? Oof. Jeez. If you had a choice. <laughs> if I had a choice? Um, the Major League squad, if you had a choice, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely would want to do that. But, um, you know, double A, it, it may be a stretch. I don't know. It depends on how spring training goes. Um, but, you know, I only had about 120 at-bats in uh, Visalia for our high A team. So I wouldn't be surprised if I go back there and then, uh, you know, obviously got to perform and then, you know, maybe get the call up from there. Um, ben, in high school, you were a dual sport athlete, as I was myself playing golf and tennis. 
uh, but you played baseball and football, and you had an opportunity to do both of those in college. Do you wish you had pursued a dual sport life or a different sport, or are you happy with sticking to baseball and where it's led you now? Um, yeah, I think we all, you know, have that that um, thought coming to the back of our head. No, no matter what we do, um, you know, we we all want to pursue, you know, every, everything that we love. And I love playing football. I love playing baseball. Um, and it's something that you basically have to live with for the rest of your life. But I, I, I had to come to, it had to come down to a decision and, you know, with baseball, you can, if, if you make it, obviously you, you can have a, a longer career than, um, in football, you know, right. the average football career lasts about what, two to three years, maybe. Yeah, I think that's if, something like what the average is. Yeah, if that. Um, but I, to be honest, I definitely miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that'll always haunt me. Yeah, and I know a lot of parents um, these days and coaches are pushing kids to actually pick one sport and go for it. Do you? Uh, would you suggest to those parents that? their kids do play multiple sports in high school. Is that something that you think worked out for the better? Oh yeah, I would, I would definitely, I'm a huge advocate of uh, playing multiple sports in high school. Um, You know, I think it, it really helps diversify your athleticism or, um, you know, it it makes you stronger, uh, especially through your failures and your successes in, in both sports. Um, but I think it also, it it helps you grow as a person as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I did a lot of different sports at high school, but it was because I wasn't particularly good at any of them. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, Ben had division one offers to play both. You simply played recreational. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I think I was the first ever golfer to go from JV to varsity back to back to JV. That's correct. I think that was TFA history. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ben, we had a uh, Foster Griffin on the podcast last week, and I know you two faced off in high school and stuff plenty of times, been practices and stuff. Uh, but now you guys are both uh, in professional baseball and stuff. How do you think uh, a matchup between you and Foster would go? Oh my gosh, that would be that would be awesome. Um, you know, he had a great great year last year and um, he's doing well in the Royals organization. Um, but, you know, I honestly don't know how it would go down. I think he'd try to try and pump a fastball in on me, just get me off the plate. And then, uh, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I would just try and be hacking at uh, anything uh, around the zone early, to be honest, because he's a pretty solid pitcher. Ben, this is a non-baseball question. It's a little bit of an interesting fact about yourself. Could you tell could, could you tell the listeners out there uh, what a potential name for you was when you were uh, first born? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't know if this should be said. Well, we're gonna say it if you two. don't. So there, there were two. Uh, one was Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> And the other one? Uh, Mufasa. Mufasa. Like from <laughs> Lion King? Yeah, that would be the one. And Luigi, like from Mario. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of disappointed neither of those were chosen. But. Yeah, I feel like I feel like those are such unique names. And the, not that Ben's a bad name, but just Ben's simple name from Mufasa and Luigi. Wait, wait, ben. Luke, which one, which one were you thinking of? I was thinking of Mufasa. I thought... Uh, you could have an elite walk-up song with that name. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Just play the circle of life when you're walking up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ben, going back to that matchup with Foster, I pay big money to see that. But also, I asked Foster last week about a little um, motivation that I had in his life. Ben, I'm asking you, what was it like to have to go and compete against me in baseball practices and compete for the starting <laughs> spots on the team. Um, what what was that experience like to go up against someone like myself who was gunning at the same goals you were? 
Yeah, I mean, you you definitely, you know, pushed me every day. Um, I don't know, man. It was it was it was close every day and everything we were doing. I, I didn't know what Coach Don was gonna think. Right. I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna start you at short, to be honest. Right. Well that was yeah, what I, I he thought. was just calling us short. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. But I think the reason you thought we were close is because J V was practicing in the outfield while you were taking ground balls in the infield on varsity. So that's probably the closeness that you felt. Uh well, Ben. That is it for this portion of the interview, but we are going to finish with some rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, uh, yeah, go for it. All right, here we go. Ben, celebrity crush. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds? Bad start. So you're going, okay. <laughs> yeah. Who, who would you play in a movie? Uh, we're talking about, like, a... These are rapid fire. Yeah, I think the question is who would, All who right. would play who him? Would play the movie? Yeah, Batman. <laughs> wait, it's the question who would play him or the question is wait, who what? what actor would you choose to play oh. you in a movie? Oh, okay. Oh, what actor? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds figured. Um, okay, biggest fear. Ooh, biggest fear. Failure. Ooh, that's that's deep. Yeah, man. That cuts deep. Yeah, uh, MLB comparison. MLB comparison? Player oh. comparison. I'd like to say I play like Billy Hamilton. All right. Weapon of choice in the Hunger Games? A bow, 100%. Are you, are you good with the bow? Yes, I have one. Calm oh. down. Oh, nice. I don't even know what that means. Uh, Chipotle or Moe's? Chipotle. Boxers or briefs? What are you wearing right now? Oh, I'm actually wearing boxers right now, but you can go with boxer slash brief combo whenever you want. Oh, I like that. With the wear, uh, wear them both at the same time. No, not at the same time. Um, like the definitely hybrids. different days. And, or yeah, or you have the hybrids. And finally, favorite high school memory. Favorite high school memory. Oh, when we demolished Ocala Trinity in football. Luke, Luke would know. Yes, very good memory. So your favorite high school memory is not competing for the starting varsity job against me? I mean, that's second. Okay, that's good enough for me. All right, Ben. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. And best of luck as you um, are going through spring training right now with the Diamondbacks and then are going to start up your minor league season soon. Appreciate it, Ben. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. See you, bud. This closing segment is brought to you by every single job that's turned me down. Thanks for giving me a spring break. Okay, guys, for this closing segment, we are going to talk about my, it's called My Embarrassing Moment. And this week, we're going to talk about our most embarrassing moment that has happened to us in our sports careers. Okay, so Jimmy. Tell me, what's the most embarrassing thing to ever happen to you playing sports? I'm going to be pretty vulnerable with this because it was a very embarrassing experience for me. Thank you, Jimmy. It was eighth grade. I was... Tough age. Yeah, tough age. Tough age, a lot going on. Uh, puberty at its peak. Um, <laughs> I wasn't good enough to make the middle school basketball team, so I was playing for the YMCA League. Uh, it was a dark Saturday morning. Do not remember the date, but I'm sure it's etched somewhere in my brain. I sat there on the bench, waiting for my time to come in, because we had a couple ball hogs on the team. My time came. I'm on the court. I'm feeling good. I get the ball on the inbound pass and everything cleared up in front of me. I saw the hoop, a clear lane to the hoop. I was like, here's my chance to score, here it comes. I dribble, dribble, go up to the hoop, attempt the layup, and I miss. But ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's not where the embarrassing moment began. It began with everyone screaming, no, you're going the wrong way. No wonder, the path was clear for me. 
I was scoring for the opposite team. But thank God that I was bad enough that I didn't make the layup. And that is unfortunately my story. Thank you, Jimmy, for sharing such a a tough moment in your sports career, a moment of embarrassment, a moment of shame. And I hope that you bringing this to the light makes the healing go a little bit faster. It single-handedly ruined my basketball career, so yeah, I don't know. I was there. I was actually on the bench at the time, one of the people screaming at you to, to change hoops. Okay, well, Luke, you heard Jimmy open up. Now it's your turn. What is your most embarrassing sports memory? Mine also has to do with basketball. Um, do you guys know Doc Rivers? Yes. Yeah, so uh, he was actually in attendance of this game. Oh, boy. And uh, his, we were playing his son's team. And if my memory serves me correctly, there was a wet spot about a couple feet from the block under the basket. And his son was dribbling at me, and he uh, he decided to uh, do a little tight little crossover. And it, I ended up slipping. And uh, I fell... Um, it wasn't James Harden-esque, I'll say that, but, uh, it was probably a low moment for me in my sports career. Um, but yeah. Did the gym go nuts? There were some oohs and ahs, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. But that was sixth grade, so I was kind of shocked that someone would be excited about someone being exposed like that. Yeah, that's a hard age. That's, I'm I'm sorry, Luke. The ruthless That's a hard age to get exposed. Yes. Luke, thank you for being honest, for being truthful. You guys, I'm going to go ahead and share now. And this um, this is hard for me. First time I've ever brought it public, to be honest with you. I'm going to take you back to freshman year of high school. It was a blustery Saturday morning. I had hopes, dreams, aspirations to make the first Academy golf team. Varsity golf was on my mind, honestly. On the first tee box, with the coaches, parents, family members watching, I proceeded to tee my ball up, and I swung. I mishit the ball, hit a low liner, heading towards what I think is the fairway. Suddenly, the ball hits the woman's tee box and ricochets over my head into a pond behind the tee boxes, a pond that is not in play in this golf course. Your first shot went backwards. My first shot went backwards. Looking around, bewildered and confused, I didn't know what the next step was for me. People were just staring at me, and I was staring back. (laughs) So... I then re-teed, hitting three. Second tee shot. Dead right. Way, way right. So far gone that, honestly, I wanted to cry. I re-tee again. Now I'm hitting five from the tee box. Even farther right. I watch as my ball sails into some road. Cars whizzing by. And I now realize I'm hitting seven from the D box. My seventh shot, snap hooks left into the water. (laughs) This ball I can at least walk up and go drop near the water. This water is in play. So now I'm hitting nine from the deep rough by the water. I chunk out into the fairway. Folks, I have found the fairway. I'm hitting 10. My 10th shot goes into the greenside bunker hitting 11 out of the bunker I splash out I'm now putting 12 I three putt I'm in for 14 and I look around at my teammates well actually they were not my teammates yet I had not made the team I look around at them and they were shocked saddened by the occurrence of events that happened on hole number one I went on to shoot a 54 which means I shot 8 over par on the remaining 8 holes I had a 14 on a par four, ladies and gentlemen. That is 10 over par on one hole. I did not make varsity. I was offered a retry out to make junior varsity and I did so, but I have never been the same. Number one East at Grand Cypress will forever scar me. 
Thank you. Wow. Joe, I appreciate you bring that story to the light. I remember like it was yesterday, I was playing with a kid named Trevor Holbert. It was the day of your, that tryout, and he told me, he goes, Dear Lord, Joe just shot a 14 on the first hole. Yes, it was. It became public knowledge to everyone at Grand Cypress that day. There's not... It was a spectacle. What is the name of a 14 on a par 4? What do you call that? I believe it's called Quit Golf. <laughs> that could be the name. But I pulled on my big boy pants and I finished. I think there's a lesson to be learned there. Perseverance. I'm, I'm actually really proud of you. Thank you. All it took was a Gatorade and a Snickers. And I was on to the next hole. Yeah, the Snickers is key. Well, this was a this was a room of transparency um, and hopefully some enlightenment to to our followers. Yes, if you guys need to get anything off your chest and share with us an embarrassing sports memory, please do so. Guys, on that somber note, we will close out our show. We hope you enjoyed it, and as always, follow us on Twitter at a cup of J and J like us on Facebook. Uh, just search a cup of Joe and Jimmy. Our page should pull up. Um, we also have uh, a website now. It's a cup of Joe and Jimmy wordpress.com. I kind of just made it to aggregate all of our information. Um, I think it looks pretty good. And so if that's where you want to go for information on our podcast, visit the website. Yeah. And give us uh, a review if you enjoyed this. Um, and then next week we have an exciting show for you guys. Tiger Woods is starting his Florida swing. So he's playing Valspar this weekend and then Bay Hill, uh, in a couple weeks. And so get excited about that. We'll be talking about him. Selection Sunday will be next week. Um, we're going to try to get together a cup of Joe and Jimmy bracket challenge on ESPN going. So that's exciting and we might have a guest to come on and talk a little march madness with us and sports trivia will be back next week yes our yep luke's excited about it our sister danielle nugent will be on and a special guest wait who i can't tell you but it's going to be exciting you guys are gonna love him or her yep well, not giving away any hints it's a him ah darn it um yeah but guys i hope you enjoyed this show and can't wait to uh can't wait to be back with you guys next week see ya see ya